All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At close of business, news briefing. Good afternoon and welcome to the At Close of Business podcast. I'm Isabel Vieira with your Tuesday afternoon headlines. BHP says it could be several months before deciding the fate of its nickel division as the federal and state governments weigh additional support to keep the embattled sector alive. Chief Executive Mike Henry signalled that the measures already proposed, including royalty relief, may not be enough to save the 3,000 jobs in BHP's Nickel West business. He said policies like a production tax credit wouldn't be enough to alter the course for the players who already move their operations into care and maintenance or potentially for BHP. The mining boss said that was because the global nickel market was so stressed at the moment and was likely to remain so for years ahead. There has been a surge in supply from Indonesia, with BHP saying about one half of global nickel production was estimated to be loss-making. Mr Henry explained that BHP faced a more difficult decision than other nickel miners that have decided to mothball their operations. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese said his government was continuing to talk on nickel support options options, including production tax credits, but has not provided a timeline for further relief. To read more, visit businessnews.com.au. In other news, the state government has put forward its case to deliver the federal government's live sheep export transition package once it's announced. WA Agriculture Minister Jackie Jarvis yesterday met with her federal counterpart Murray Watt, where the two discussed the phasing out of the industry, which will mostly be felt in Western Australia. Ms Jarvis said it was important WA be given the opportunity to provide input into the transition package and on-ground advice as it was rolled out. Ms Jarvis and WA Premier Roger Cook have repeatedly questioned the need to phase out live sheep exports, but have been consigned to the fact the federal government was delivering on an election promise to do so. The federal government is yet to announce when it will begin phasing out live sheep exports, nor what assistance will be available to those who will be impacted by the decision. A state government report commissioned late last year found shutting down the trade would cost the state about 400 jobs and $132 million. Mr Watt made no mention of the policy during his 10-minute opening address at the Evoke Ag Conference today. And lastly, WA will be a significant beneficiary of an $11 billion investment to double the size of the nation's Navy surface combatant fleet, according to Prime Minister Anthony Albanese. Defence Minister Richard Miles today announced a government spend of $1.7 billion over the budget's forward estimates and $11.1 billion over a decade to accelerate the delivery of the Navy's 26-vessel future surface combat fleet. The fleet will be the nation's largest of its kind since World War II and comes in response to findings of the Defence Strategic Review. A significant portion will be delivered through Henderson, which is being consolidated. Speaking at a media conference in Perth this morning, Mr Albanese said the spend would be a shot in the arm for the state's defence sector. To read more, visit the Business News website. That's all from me. Up next on the podcast, Nadia Budihadro and Liv de Klerk discuss Royal Australian Air Force Association's fresh leadership moves. Stay on top of the latest news stories that are impacting your business, industry or sector. The New Look Business News app gives subscribers breaking news alerts, access to editions, articles by category as well as our advanced data and insight search function to find projects, people and companies. 
It's your mobile portal to the latest intelligence on commerce, politics and industry, wherever you are. Stay informed at critical times and download today. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash app, download on the App Store or get it on Google Play now. Welcome back to Ad Close of Business. I'm Nadia Budiharjo and I'm joined by Liv DeClerc. Liv, how are you today? I'm well. How are you going? I'm good, thank you. Liv, in the recent edition of the Business News magazine, you wrote about the uh, Western Australian Air Force Association, also known as RAFA. They've introduced some changes in its leadership team to strengthen operations for 2024. So what does RAFA hope to achieve with its newly appointed executives? Yeah, so the leadership shift uh, was primarily implemented to support RAFA through this next period of growth because the organisation has a variety of plans lined up for these next 12 to 18 months. So we'll be looking to further develop its aged care, retirement and veterans, customer care and increase the value of its services under its Chief Executive Officer, Michelle Fyre. So Rafa recruited two new executives, the first being Aaron Crother, who was appointed as Chief Customer and Community Officer, meaning he's responsible for the enhancement of branding and customer experience, including at Rafa's Aviation Heritage Museum in Bull Creek. The other appointment was Gloria Davis to the role of Chief Information Officer. So she'll be leading the oversight of Rafa's analytics and data to uncover trends and um, design an operational strategy for the future. So Gloria was actually an internal promotion. She started working with Rafa in August of 2017, uh, carrying out several positions within its business systems and intelligence management division. Aaron, on the other hand, actually used to work with Michelle Fife at St. John WA a few years ago. Uh, so he held a few different roles there. And that most recent role was chief brand and reputation officer. So he's obviously got a lot of expertise in this sort of field. And both Aaron and Gloria are expected to employ specialised staff to join their individual teams with Rafa and assist with the delivery of their designated objectives. And when I spoke to Michelle for this article, I asked her about the refreshed leadership model. She said the handpicked staff would encourage more connection and collaboration across all parts of the business. Okay, could you tell me a little bit more about what Michelle meant by that? Yeah, so she pretty much said for Rafa to be able to undertake continued growth while operating in what is an increasingly complicated cross-section of industries, the company would need better investment on the most effective way to improve the lives of the people it serves. So Rafa is a really diverse organisation. It branches into a lot of different areas. So it has aged care services, aged care residential facilities, retirement living, homelessness programs, support for veterans and so on. And Michelle said sometimes these different components of the company can cause RAFA employees to become separated based on which area they work in. She said this has caused a lack of communication in the past and therefore resulted in a lack of collaboration and teamwork, which in turn restricts opportunities and the capability to grow and improve. So I think this new leadership structure was part of RAFA's strategy to cultivate a more collaborative, streamlined work environment. And Michelle said it would also impose each individual employee with the ability to influence the organisation and play their part in its overall success. She said it also helps to clearly articulate not just to its external members but also to the people internally at RAFA, the different parts of the organisation, how they work together 
And yeah, it was just making a more collaborative environment and hopefully that will improve Rafa's ability to deliver its services as well. And Michelle was only appointed as Rafa's CEO about seven months ago, but this just shows her commitment to growing the company's capacity to support its clients with these clear changes she's made. And in our conversation, she said the people-centred nature of Rafa was something she was really passionate about expanding. And I think this just shows that. Yeah, interesting. And Rafa also launched a new statewide campaign earlier this month uh, to support one of its accommodation programs. Could you tell me more about this one? Of course. So the charitable appeal is being led by Aaron as part of his new job and the funds and awareness being raised would support the Andrew Russell Veteran Living Program. When I spoke with Michelle, she said the campaign would not only encourage the expansion of this pre-existing program, but also further assist Rafa on its mission to tackle homelessness in the veterans community. This has obviously been launched um, amid Australia's current housing crisis and Michelle made the point that veterans aren't immune to this significant challenge. She said there was actually research that found veterans are three times more at risk of homelessness than everyday Australians. And nearly 6,000 current and former ADF personnel, which is the equivalent of about 5.3% of the veterans community, are facing difficulty securing accommodation at the moment. There's approximately 330 veterans who return to civilian life in WA each year. And while most of these people don't need assistance, Rafa's new program would make sure there would be somewhere for them to turn to if they did need those sorts of services. Uh, Michelle, it was said it was part of the company's DNA to do what it could to assist the ex-Defence Force personnel impacted by this housing crisis. Okay, and on the topic of housing for veterans, I understand Rafa has two accommodation projects planned for this year. So when are these expected to be operational? So the first of these projects is in Cannington, where Rafa purchased a 1,000 square metre site around three years ago to build an accommodation facility, as we've just mentioned, for WA veterans who are not only at risk of homelessness or struggling to secure housing, but also those who are already experiencing homelessness. The construction of this facility is supposed to be underway at the end of this year, according to Michelle, and it will be completely of 16 beds once the facility is open and running. The second project is a collaborative one in which Rafa would work alongside a fellow ex-service organisation RSLWA and Gina Reinhart's Hancock Prospecting. Mrs Reinhart bought a building in South Perth in December last year to be refitted as a nine two-bedroom apartment, so a total 18 beds for former defence personnel. And once that facility has been renovated and it's ready to open, Rafa and RSLWA are expected to co-manage and and deliver the programs to provide veterans with access to accommodation and tailored well-being services as well. Michelle said that redevelopment should be done within the next four or five months and they're hoping to welcome residents mid-year. So, yeah. Well, major moves being made at Rafa and a very uh, tackling a very topical issue. It will be interesting mm. to see how these projects progresses throughout the year. For sure. Thanks for joining me, Liv. To read Liv's full story, you can find it online or in the 12th February edition of the Business News magazine. The latest business news delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.